Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Athens.com and the Athens Banner Herald. This is the Georgia Bulldogs Podcast. Bulldogs Extra. Now, Mark Weiser and Ryan Dennis. And here we are, the Bulldogs Extra Podcast from Online Athens and the Athens Banner Herald getting into kind of the silly part of this uh, year with rescheduled games and games canceled Last week against Vanderbilt, a rescheduled game this week against Missouri, where it might be snowing. We'll talk a little bit more about the uh, the weather and what this game will mean with Eric Bloom of the Missouri. Uh, fill me in there, Mark. Columbia Daily Tribune. Yeah, that's it. He's not a meteorologist, so I don't know. <laughs> but uh, our phones do tell us that it could be snowing, so we'll get into that. But with the colder weather, it's the holiday season. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Uh, Mark, you got all your gifts uh, bought and uh, ready to give up? It does say rain and snow showers. I'm, I'm checking that now. Uh, yeah, you know, um, Amazon is, is a friend, and, uh, uh, you know, the, the packages uh, get sent out uh, via the, uh, the the trucks. I mean, they, I can see why Amazon's worth uh, $4.2 trillion, because, uh, you know, you do that express shipping or whatever it's called, what, Amazon Prime, you get your gifts next day where... Uh, I bought a couple things that I have no clue if they'll be delivered by like uh, June of next year. But were they reputable sites that you went to? <laughs> I'm just hoping, yeah, that's my worry. I hope I'm not being uh, scammed out of uh, 25 bucks that I uh, paid for a shirt. Yeah, so last time we uh, we podcasted, we, we actually were talking like Georgia and Vanderbilt were going to play a football game, and uh, you might have heard that didn't happen. Uh, 24 <laughs> hours or just a little bit over before. Yeah, so, you know, Vanderbilt uh, is now scheduled to come on the 19th of December week from Saturday, and there's a 12 noon kickoff for that game. But let's focus on a different 12 noon kickoff. This one will be on the SEC Network. It's the Georgia Bulldogs and the Missouri Tigers. Uh, are you excited for December football that's not played in Mercedes? I'm gonna be excited if it's snowing. I mean, that's when has I mean, I'm sure somebody somewhere, maybe a Claude Felton has a note somewhere. The last time Georgia played in a snow game but it would have to have been maybe a bowl you know outside bowl uh i'm, I'm gonna email them right now to get the answer yeah but let's do that um i wasn't covering georgia when they went to the music city bowl i guess that was mark first season oh, was that yeah. a snow game i think it was cold Look, i don't remember it really snowing all right i i can tell you when there was snow going to a game uh flew into dallas for the independence bowl in 2010 was that no, oh, that no, was no, no liberty bowl was 10 2009 um, Joe Cox leading the charge. Yeah, I don't remember exactly how it, uh, if we just kind of shared a ride or whatever, but David Hale, who was covering Georgia then for the Macon Telegraph now with uh, ESPN.com, mm-hmm. uh, I believe we shared a ride from the Dallas airport to Shreveport, Louisiana, and it was snowy out. It was, uh, Dallas gets more snow than you might expect. Yeah, from, no, from Texas. Definitely, yeah. definitely it does. 
I can't honestly remember ever watching a, a Georgia game, and I've seen a lot of Georgia games in my in my life, and I've been in the crowd for a lot of cold games, but I don't recall it ever ever snowing during during a a uh, a Georgia football game. But I'm sure somewhere somebody has the answer to this, and uh, we'll need to we'll need to reach out about that. But yeah, looking on my phone, Look, they had some crappy weather a couple times last year, uh, some pouring rain, some uh, deluges. But that's not that's not fun. Playing in the snow is fun. Oh, fun. Yeah, no, it is. It yeah, is. yeah. So I'm sure if if you're a if you're a Georgia football player, even if you're from Florida, aren't you excited about the chance to, uh, you know, play in, in snow? You know, cold weather sucks. I hate cold weather, but if there's snow involved, I mean, that's got to be a fun new experience for a lot of these Georgia players and probably some of the Missouri players as well. Yeah, I wrote about um, the weather as one of my five things to know about this game, but I feel like I, I've done a lot of like pregame blogs where, where the weather was supposed to be an issue, and then it turned out that lo and behold, it, it really didn't materialize that way. So yeah. um, I'm going to actually be uh, snug in my house for this one. I'm, I'm not going after going to uh, let's let's kind of uh, recap this. No, no, Arkansas. let's recap after after driving to Fayetteville, Arkansas. Lexington, Kentucky, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Jacksonville, Florida. I made the decision that um, that was going to be it, uh, especially since Georgia lost to Florida. Um, and I'm not sure. I think most of the beat core is doing the same. They're going to be uh, playing, doing this as a home game. And um, there's a little bit less to watch from, you know, usually we get to the game and we can just, you know, see, you know, who's going to be, uh, you know, who's starting a quarterback has been a, a deal a couple of times. Um, but, you know, we, we pretty much know how that's playing out. I guess, you know, Warren Erickson's probably expected to get the nod for, for Trey Hill, who's out with uh, after knee surgery. Meniscus, so, yeah. um, you know, not not so much intrigue pregame, um, but it should be an interesting game. Missouri's uh, on a roll. They won five of the last six against a schedule that is not uh, – hadn't hadn't uh, beaten or hadn't gone up against uh, the best teams of late and i think this will definitely be jt daniels uh, maybe uh, stiffest test though i mean missouri gave up what 48 to uh 46 what did they lose to arkansas the other day whatever it was 50 a, 48 yeah yeah it was a shootout so uh that's another question did you say missouri lost to arkansas no 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 how yeah, many did they give up to arkansas oh yeah, yeah they should have lost what a what a finish did you happen to catch any of that yeah, Man, that, yeah, was, yeah, uh, yeah. that was an exciting two-point play but that's another thing with the weather related uh, you have a southern cal uh uh, like legitimately Southern California kid playing in the Missouri weather. It'll be interesting to see how JT Daniels uh, can hold up in that, in that snowy and maybe a cold fingered type of game. Hey, um, speaking, I wrote about this week and check this also out on online Athens, by the way, have we mentioned that we got a new snazzy uh, website? Absolutely. Uh, we didn't mention that. Okay. No, uh, we had mentioned it. I think it's, uh, I it's think, very nice. Oh yeah. It came out. Was yeah. It, it was, Thursday? Yeah, it was uh, during our podcast. I believe last Thursday was the transition. Uh, I wrote about, I talked to Gary Stoken this week from the, uh, Chick-fil-A peach bowl about that game. Uh, you know, most projections have Georgia going to play Cincinnati in the game. Although there's two in particular that don't, um, CBS sports has, uh, Georgia going to, to uh, Dallas to play Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl. And then USA Today has Georgia and, speaking of JT Daniels' former team, Southern Cal in the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, so, but, you know, Stoken told me that teams are not going to be going to uh, arrive in these bowl weeks until two days before the game, which is obviously a you know, pretty big departure from the past. Um, you know, th- there's just not the activities that they used to do because of COVID. Um, even, you know, the day before press conference will be virtual. The press conference after the game will be virtual. Um, so it's kind of standard of what we've seen all season. Okay, let's debate that for a minute. You you mentioned Fiesta Bowl, Cotton Bowl, or Atlanta against Cincinnati. Now, if I'm a big-time Georgia fan, 
I'm kind of, yeah, Cincinnati in Atlanta, no thank you. But I don't think Georgia's ever played in a Fiesta Bowl, playing the USC out there, or even a Cotton Bowl against uh, against Oklahoma. I'd be much more uh, excited and, and, and wanting to see Georgia play in one of those games than uh, the Peach Bowl against Cincinnati. What do you think? Well, given that it is um, the season of pandemic, I think Atlanta would be easy. And plus... That's very true. I mean, I, I guess it's fine. You're getting on an airplane anyway, so you're, you know, it's, it's uh, you can get to Dallas in a, a couple of few hours maybe, and mm-hmm. Arizona's a little bit longer, obviously. Um, but, I mean, do, I don't know if Georgia fans are going to be going to the Fiesta Bowl or even the Cotton Bowl this year. I, I don't I'm know. just talking about if I was sitting at home watching. I mean, and I say that fan-wise. I don't know what's going on in Arizona in terms of uh, attendance. It looks like about sixteen five or 17,000 at Mercedes-Benz. Um, look, I mean, you know, when you're not playing in the in the semifinals, Georgia's at the stage now that, I mean, how jacked up were, were folks to go to the Sugar Bowl either of the last two years? Um, well, last year, not as much as the year before. Hmm. If you go by attendance? Well, I don't know by attendance, but I mean, the year before is when Georgia, you know, the players had, uh, you know, okay, okay. the wrong approach. Uh, it, was, or, it, was, it was a flip last year. According to Kirby. And then, you know, this year, or, or I mean, the, the last year uh, is when Kirby basically said, if you're not bought in, if you don't want to be there, we're not really going to take you because DeAndre Baker went and, yeah. and uh, you know, I don't know if he was a distraction or not, but, you know, you had you had several guys, uh, an injured JRE didn't make the trip. You, of course, you had guys that are that opted out of the bowl game to prepare for the NFL draft. And then you had, you know, some academic casualties, uh, some others with just, you know, we never really found out exactly why, but it was like a dozen or so guys missed the game. I said flip last year because, I mean, it seemed like two years ago the fans were excited about going to New Orleans and the players weren't. And I guess it's a chicken or the egg thing. Did that cause the the way that Georgia performed two years ago in, in the Sugar Bowl, did that cause the fans not to be excited last year? And then I mean, you know, I, I think Georgia just, took a step back and said, you know what, this game is important. We need to play well. I mean, I don't know if how much Baylor would get people excited versus a Texas. I think Texas is a marquee name. But, uh, but they just lost to Alabama. And didn't make the playoffs, so and the I don't other, think it mattered who they played. Well, the other thing is, it's a sec- It was a second straight trip to the Sugar Bowl, also. Um, so, well, that's yeah, I know. For the Georgia fans, is what right, you're saying, right, 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 yeah, yeah. So, well, hey, why don't we talk Missouri with? Well, Eric. I thought we were supposed to talk at that segment, but we got off track, which is fine. Let's let's talk. Uh, well, let's talk with Eric coming up. Yeah, absolutely. We'll uh, we'll talk a little bit with uh, Eric about Missouri and what. Uh, could go down in uh, Columbia this week if it'll snow. That's my main question, so I think I'll ask him about that. We'll have more with Eric uh, from the Missouri side of things coming up after this break. All right, joining us now to talk Missouri before the Georgia-Missouri game Saturday at 12 Eastern, 11 Central Time is Eric Blum of the Columbia Daily Tribune. Eric, how are you? I am doing well. How are you guys doing? Doing well, doing well. So Missouri is uh, kind of on a roll. I guess they've won five of their last six. But is this the biggest game going on in Columbia, Missouri on Saturday is my question. Honestly, no, it's not. Straight up, it's not. Um, It's weird to say that because Georgia coming to town and Georgia is a blue blood in the football world, especially right now, and Missouri values those opportunities. But if you're looking to advance the entire athletic program, a third win in a row over number six Illinois in men's basketball, with them coming here, 
the first Bragg and Rights game. It's yearly every year in St. Louis. It's the first time it's been on a campus since 1979. I mean, winning that game and, and decisively like they did last year here would be huge for this entire athletic department. I think a win over Georgia would just further cement what Eli Drinkwitz has done. Conzo Martin, the men's basketball coach, kind of needs that signature win to put him, I guess, with critical acclaim with the fans, which Eli Drinkwitz has pretty much already done. I mean, the last two seasons, Missouri has fell below expectations in basketball, but this year they're 4-0, a good Liberty team, a win over Wichita State, Oregon, and then they blew out Royal Roberts in the season opener. That would be the win they need to kind of, just like the LSU win kind of did for Eli Drinkwitz. That, that, that is what Conzo needs. So to be perfectly honest with you, I say, I'd say the appetizer, a, a, an amazing appetizer, you know, lobster risotto, whatever you want to call it, it's a five-star restaurant, uh, is Georgia-Missouri, but it is the uh, matinee for a reason. I mean, that sounds like an interesting matchup, but Georgia's playing Sanford in men's basketball Saturday night in Athens, so that's a pretty good doubleheader, too, I'm just saying. Which, which game's bigger for Georgia fans? Uh, well, we'll see, see how the outcome is in the football game. All right, I'm going to flip it to Ron. Ron, you got something for him? Oh, well, what time is the um, basketball game? 7 p.m. Central on a entity network to be determined because of all the cancellations. <laughs> so you got double duty that day? Is that how this is going to work? Yeah. Uh, yep. That'll be a long day, but it's may. I mean, two top ten teams come to Columbia within eight hours of each other. It's, you know, I'll oh. sleep later. <laughs> well, I've been fascinated by the weather. I mean, is it going to snow, and and how will it affect uh, either team? You know, you'd think Missouri being kind of uh, in that northern, you know, realm would be more comfortable with with a snowy type of game if that happens. But uh, you know, who, who knows how it'll affect the teams? What, what's your opinion? Just from the pure logistics of Saturday, I hope it doesn't snow from my behalf because that's going to be awful. But um, from just looking at the matchup in general, I, I don't think Georgia will be as rattled by the snow as much as anyone maybe might think it is. At the end of the day, once you play and your adrenaline's going, football is football. And I generally think the rain might affect the game style more than actually snow does. I mean, yes, you might have to plow and see where, you know, the, the lines are and everything like that, but this is the type of snow they're expecting is not, like, going to be, like, you know, just absolutely affect and derail everything. It's just going to be a little bit of a hindrance. So if, it, if it's advantage to anybody, it is Missouri, but you have to keep in mind that Missouri's roster, just like Georgia's, is from all over the country. It's, it's, it's a little diversified, so there's people from Florida and Georgia and Texas, and so they're not, I guess, as much used to the snow as people who live here. So... I think that, you know, it's not going to have as big an effect as anyone's making it out to be. All right, so what should we make of these uh, Missouri Tigers? Um, you know, this is clearly a different team than it was that was supposed to play Georgia in November that got postponed. Um, you know, it hadn't been a murderer's row. I guess it's South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and Arkansas. Um, how impressed are you with uh, the Tigers, and do you think that they can, uh, you know, be hanging out with uh, or hanging around with Georgia into the fourth quarter? I think they can, whether they do or not, it's a different story. Uh, I mean, just in terms of what they've done over the last three weeks, and Missouri versus Georgia will be Missouri's third straight week of a home 11 a.m. kickoff on national television. Um, it, it'll be interesting because they've done enough to win the games they should win, and that was kind of the problem with Barry Odom is that, you know, the games that were one-possession games, I think Barry Odom won four in four years, and the Olympics has already won three through eight games. And so, just he's winning the close games, and the games Missouri is more talented and supposed to win. Um, and but it, it's right, you're right. It's a different test with, with Georgia. 
Georgia, yes, they're, they're probably not at the same level as some of the national championship contender teams that have been in the past, but at the end of the day, it's just still a Georgia team that is an elite team in college football. And when you say they're still a top-10 team, Missouri cannot take them lightly. Like, oh, Missouri's going to have an upper hand here. No, at the end of the day, Georgia still is coming up here. And I was a little surprised the spread was as low as it is, to be honest. It, you know, I saw it as low as 12 on one site, and I'm like, I think at least it should have been two touchdowns, if not more. So, you know, with a healthy Georgia team, it looks like it's been as much attrition as they've been through the SEC. Georgia's one of the schools that's, I think, not only dealt with it best, but had some of the least amount of it compared to Missouri, which has just been, you know, their core has stayed completely intact, but just all of the pieces around it have kind of been shuffling for the entire year. Even in the middle of they've lost two of their, you know, 17 seniors since, you know, waking up on Saturday, one in the middle of senior day ceremonies and one unexpectedly on Monday. So it's just been kind of an all-around just Venn diagram of where you move people the entire year. So I do think the Missouri can hang around for a while. And, and yes, they have the talent to pull off the upset, but I wouldn't predict that at all, no. All right, Eric, a bit of a, a two-parter here. The first question, uh, that two-point conversion the other day, what, what was going through your mind when that went through the, you know, the Missouri guy's hand? Arkansas comes down with it. I mean, had you ever seen a play quite like that? It, it, that was as much of the football gods just rearing their head <laughs> as I've ever seen in live action because not only was that play of just flipping one side to another, but the player who was going to make the interception was Jamal Brooks, who was the replacement for the then-ejected Nick Bolton, right. who got ejected for a targeting call that should have never happened. At the end of the day, that play should have probably been catch. Real, real fast, will that affect this game? Ball. I'm sorry. Will that affect – will he be out for this game, or was that a first no. half? Okay. No, that was late in the second quarter, so okay. he got to basically play the maximum amount for an ejected player. He'll be playing the entire cool. game. Thank you. And that's a good thing for Missouri fans because he is probably, the, in my opinion, the best linebacker in college football that's currently playing. Um, but and, and he should be one, up for SEC Defensive Player of the Year. He should, he's very much in that discussion of not leading it right now, in my opinion. Um, but um, it just, just is like that's the guy who would have made a smart ball play, just knock it down, mm. get, get off the field instead of Jamal Brooks, who is, who is a senior but a little less experienced in terms of actual football experience. He, he had to make the play, and it was actually his third attempt on that drive to end the game. He had another interception fall right through his hands. He couldn't make a tackle on K.J. Jefferson. Uh, on another fourth down, they extend Arkansas extended the drive. It's just like, how many shots can this guy have? And it just couldn't work out for him. So uh, overall, it ended up working out for Missouri, but it was it was just such an it was too on the nose to be you know predictable. I guess that was the second part of my question. Did their comeback there after that had happened prove kind of the the different mindset or whatever of this team compared to other years? Oh, I I, I think so, and I think that a lot of it's on. Connor Bayslack, the freshman quarterback. I mean, he's he's playing beyond his years. I mean, like Missouri always has a guy ready to go at quarterback, and this is one of the few years with an open competition in a very long time at Missouri. And so the guy who technically even is second is the guy who kind of aligned everything for them and it seems to be the next of the Chase Daniel, Matty Mock, James Franklin, Brad Smith, Blaine Gabbert, you know, train. I'm sure I missed somebody in there. Drew Locke, obviously. Um, so when you look at just what he's been able to do. I mean, Missouri actually had to waste time at the end of that 43-second drive. You know, they had to run the ball twice to use both their timeouts because they got down the field so quickly from their own 25 to the opposing 18. I mean, it was like three passes of 25 yards each, and they were there or something like that. So, I mean, just Missouri's offense is explosive, and 
I don't expect, you know, Connor Bates like to actually make too many mistakes. You know, one of his prime games being there was he came at the end of the Georgia game last year, actually, and led Missouri down the field one of the only times they got in the red zone last year. And all they did, though they didn't score, that shows a little bit of his potential. Eric, first of all, how do you um, how do you pronounce and or spell uh, Missouri's coach's name? Because he's got like two different spellings of his first name, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, one is technically his nickname, which is Eli, and that's what I use because that's what he says his friends use. So I'm like, okay, I guess I'm your friend. No, I, I mean, just, <laughs> it's the more casual. Elijah sounds more like Elijah, which neither one Elijah is definitely not correct. Uh, but Elias, I think, is given name, but Eli is what every other person calls him. So, and then last name is Drinkwitz, which I, I've, I've spelled, seen this spelled too, but that is still D R D R I N K W I T Z. All right, so, good. I got that. I got I got the last name right this week. I think. <laughs> um, look, so he he came here as uh, came here came to Columbia as a kind of an under-the-radar type hire. One year as the head coach at App State, if I'm correct, right? He, he followed uh, the, the uh, Satterfield who went to Louisville. Um, what was the hire? Right. What, was the, what was the perception of the hire given that short body of work as, as the head coach there? And, um, uh, you know, a year later, um, it's probably gone better than anyone could have expected. I mean, is he going to get a contract extension, you know, after year one? Uh, so last, actually, a year ago when we are recording this today, December 10th was the day of his introductory press conference, and that morning he signed a six-year, $24 million contract. And so I don't expect him to actually sign a contract extension until the pandemic is over at the very least. But what he's done is, I mean, he's pretty much flipped the entire state of Missouri in his favor in a year. And part of that is due to he he does as good of a job as a head coach, first-year head coach can do in the PR department. I think that he's telegenic and he's smart in how he just picks apart certain things and picks his spots in the media and all that. I think he's he, he's smarter than I think maybe sometimes he wants to let on in that way. Um, but when the hiring process, the 10 days between Barium's firing and the official press conference introduced Drinkwitz, um, were an absolute mess in the University of Missouri. You know, there were curators speaking out off the record about how Missouri Athletic Jim Stirk was not bringing in the right guy. Like his final three choices, I think, were Jeff Monken at Army. Um, maybe that's Todd Monken. Um, one of the two, Skip Holt, Louisiana Tech, and one oh Blake Anderson at Arkansas State were like his top three choices after narrowing it down between guys, and they didn't like that. So after like speaking out off the record to some people, you know, uh, and how that kind of did things, they shifted their focus, and eventually Eli Drinkwitz shot to the top of their uh, want list, and they made it happen. Um, at the end of the day. It was a tumultuous 10-day period for Jim Sturk, but it looks like a year later he absolutely got the right guy in here eventually. Well, you mentioned the pandemic and the new coach. Uh, Obviously coming into a tough situation this year with all this going on like it is, how do you feel that they've handled uh, the situation overall and how much have they just been impacted by uh, cancellations and anything else that's going on within the program? It seems like Missouri has done, maybe has turned a, like like a, a grain of salt into a whole mound of it. They've leveraged this really well. At the end of the day, I had Missouri's best case scenario coming into the season at six and four, and yes, Georgia is one of those four losses, but LSU was also one of those four losses. So when you look at just how Missouri has just built their culture and rallied around each other and not had too many you know things that were unforced errors go wrong. I mean, even that. Tennessee game back at the beginning of October. Tennessee was ranked in the top 14 of the country at the time, and is a completely different team than the one we've seen lose six games in a row now. 
Um, and they ran Missouri off the field. That was really the only game where we've seen Missouri truly be outclass- outclassed by a team who's outclassed no one else. Um, I mean, Alabama and Florida are the other two losses, and they're competing for the SEC championship. So they've turned a little bit and ran with it. And in a non-COVID year, this would be creating way more excitement because, I mean, Missouri's original schedule was nowhere near as challenging as the one it is now and as daunting week to week. I mean, they had Eastern Michigan. They did have BYU on their schedule, uh, but just they had Central Arkansas and FCS team and actually had Louisiana, actually. So maybe the schedule of the non-con actually was, might have been tougher in retrospect with Louisiana Lafayette and BYU both on their schedule. Uh, but I, I think that this might have been an 8-9 win team if it wasn't for COVID. So you're looking at maybe, a I think, a 5-6 win team right now because Georgia probably wins this weekend, but then they go to Mississippi State and, and should win that game. So you're looking at really a team who might be fifth or sixth best in the conference right there with Auburn. And if you've taken that from a year ago where the program was in disarray, it's a complete 180. All right, Eric. Last thing, um, you know, you, you mentioned obviously the the, uh, the COVID uh, aspect, but uh, 11 a.m. start on a uh, day where the weather might not be uh, great. Uh, what, what kind of atmosphere do you think uh, George is going to walk into? Um, you know, given I don't even know if they filled up the uh, minimum or the maximum capacity this year uh, at Mizzou, and uh, how do you see this thing unfolding? Um, the crowds have been for an 11,000-seat stadium, or uh, it's about 63,000, but they only filled up to about 11,000 because of the pandemic. It's been decently loud for that amount of people, especially in an open-air stadium. It's been all right. Uh, it was probably the largest I've ever heard it for Arkansas, um, and that's a good thing. Um, but I don't expect too much of a daunting atmosphere. If they can, if Georgia can make it through you know, all the times at Sanford Stadium and allowed you know, uh, playing through Auburn when it's loud and all of those different things. I don't expect much to phase of them coming in here. Um, and, I, and I do see Georgia winning. I, I think actually that 13-point spread is kind of where I see it end up going. Missouri's going to get some points late to kind of maybe even get a backdoor cover. I'll go 34-24 Georgia. All right. Well, uh not sure if the, how that's going to sit with the. Uh, sounds like uh, similar to the Mississippi State idea, where Georgia kind of will 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 leave. Uh, maybe if it's a, a late game touchdown, kind of like that uh, was the end of the Florida Tennessee game. Hey, I said coming off of that Kentucky game that Missouri could have beat Georgia that week, and then they postponed it. Yeah. So I mean, I think I think it'll be a close game. All right, Eric, uh, have a, a great sports weekend with uh, with your Mizzou uh, doubleheader, I guess, and. Uh, Well, thanks for joining us, and we'll talk down the road. Thank you. All righty, awesome. Thank you to Eric Blum for joining us on the the podcast. Obviously, coming up next week for a lot of Bulldog fans and – and, and Bulldogs uh, in general, Kirby Smart uh, signing day, one of the bigger days of the year. Follow us at onlineathens.com for all your up-to-date, up-to, what am I trying to say, up-to-date uh, features and, and whatnot for the happenings uh, around college signing day. You going to the uh, bl- you, you going to the blind pig to celebrate? Uh, no, are they still doing that this year? I figured they might take a year off, but you never know. I, I mean, have they? You know, obviously, it's not the same deal where where the fans were coming over with buses. Uh, yeah. you know, for butts. I mean, that that, that stopped pre-pandemic. Yeah, so. I'm saying, yeah. Um, I don't. I mean, I, I think usually what you do is you you kind of get some pork rinds at your house, and you got some like uh, some alcoholic uh, b- well, beverages, and and you just watch the uh, letters of intent kind of get posted. Well, I put on my uh, my uh, DJ 
Shockley jersey and paint my face. And uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Is that your favorite Bulldog recruit? <laughs> DJ Shockley? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Oh, my goodness, we got a phone call in here. I don't think that's ever happened. Uh, and it's not Eric Blum, or is it? Let's see. <laughs> uh, anyway, moving on to the 4-0 Georgia Bulldogs basketball. I mean, have you been more impressed at a team than this 4-0 start that they're currently in? Um, I mean, <laughs> that's, uh, you know, there's a lot of teams that are 4-0 out there. I haven't compared them to Georgia. Um, look, so um, – Severe Wheeler didn't uh, no didn't have his, his best offensive game on Tuesday as they uh, beat Montana, uh, but um, Tamani Kamara comes up with I think it was seventeen fifteen rebounds. points and seventeen boards something yeah. like that and um, you know so hey Georgia's lucky they didn't play Georgia Tech this this uh, uh, you know December because Georgia Tech just uh, pounded Kentucky. Uh, they also lost to Mercer in Georgia State. I know, but State. then Georgia Tech beat Nebraska <laughs> yesterday. Uh, and threw a COVID ball. Did you see that mess? Yeah, I saw that. That was so, weird. Uh, that was weird. That was strange. He's, uh, yeah, the coach over there at Georgia Tech was wearing a uh, one of those mask shield, or face, face shields in the locker yeah. room, which is interesting. Yeah, if you didn't see it, he took out some sort of uh, little like duct tape ball that had like red covid dots around it and then threw it down and it smashed and candy came out and so it forced all of his players to come together within like two inches of each other's face to grab the airhead candies that uh were all over the floor it yeah we, we had you awkward. know what we didn't talk about is uh we can kind of piggyback this on basketball uh jaquan walton on the basketball team right. uh left uh went into the transfer portal last week and then early this week a couple of georgia wide receivers who had uh, no catches this season also uh, indicated that they're going in the portal, and then they they eventually did, and that was Trey Blount and um, Micaiah Tung. Um, so Georgia's got some um, you know scholarship uh, number crunch that they need to roster manage, and uh, you know this probably was on uh, their own volition. I mean, they saw the writing on the wall. Uh, there was playing time issues and and uh, ability to get on the field. Um, so uh, you probably should expect to see more. Um, as guys, uh, the signing class comes in, and then uh, you know you're seeing. I think it's seven now guys going to the Senior Bowl, which means they're out the door, including Richard LeCount. During this podcast, he was announced uh, to join. Um, you know, six other Bulldogs that are going to be playing in that game, including Jamie Newman. That'll be eight then, if you count him. <laughs> oh, so you weren't counting him? No, no. If you include him, it's eight. Oh wow. Uh, so um, should he wear a Georgia helmet? Yes or no? Yeah, I don't think that's happening. I don't think you don't think happening. so? No. Are you, are you kidding? He played at Wake Forest. Hey, did he play at Georgia? He did not did play Did you see the card that the Reese's Senior Bowl put out or whatever? It had him in a Georgia outfit or uniform. I think I think they'll rectify that. That'll be changed. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he, should, I, he should wear Wake Forest. I mean, I don't think Jamie would, would say he he's yeah. a Georgia Bulldog. Yeah. He'll say he's a Wake Forest Demon Deacon. Absolutely. Hey, getting back to Jaquan, uh, there's a rumor out there that Georgia might get a basketball commit that could join the team as soon as January just throwing that out there. I've, I've seen that uh, passed around a little bit. Well, we don't really report on rumors on the show. We, <laughs> st- we stick with facts. Uh, well, uh, in, in, what we you know. in your news in the newspaper we do. But hey, this is a this is a free for all podcast. Um, where are we going after this? We were talking about uh, uh, the women's game, by the way. By the way, yeah, COVID, for Saturday, a COVID cancellation for the uh, Georgia women's team, which uh, was supposed to play Radford. Was it? Was that the team that got canceled on? Uh, 
Saturday, Radford. Radford, correct. Yeah. Hey, five and zero. Oh, shout out to Johnny Taylor. Um, as and they beat some better teams than the men's team. Definitely, they, they beat Oklahoma in the SEC Big Twelve Challenge uh-huh. on Sunday, and they won their first three games, which was on, which were on the road. They won again last night. Yeah, the uh, so the men's team is uh, you know first eight games at home, and and uh, Samford is Saturday a high scoring team. I think they scored 170 something in an exhibition game that that they opened their season with. So, wow. Um, but it was an exhibition game, and it was against uh, a, not a not an NCAA team. <laughs> the fifth team. grade, right? It was not an NCAA <laughs> team they went up against. Gotcha. Um, hey, let's make some picks. Let's do, do it. All right, here we go. Um, this includes uh, this is not including the Texas A&M game, which was canceled. Uh, we'll start with, uh, how about Alabama going to Arkansas? 32.5 point favorite, the Tide are. Hmm. And I am trying to remember. Again, I can't remember what I picked for our USA Today Sports Network picks. Um, I think I took Arkansas to, uh, I took those points with Arkansas. I mean, can Alabama just kick butt every week? I mean, yes. I think they. I think this time, uh, you know, they'll win by 29. Nope, I think they're that much better than everybody else in the SEC. We saw it last week. As much as Arkansas has improved this year, well, Georgia beat them by, what, 26, wasn't that the, uh, the final? 25, somewhere in that range. So, I mean, to me, Alabama can just set a number, and they'll, they'll cover it. Um, hey, keep an eye on Devontae Smith. He's, he's rising as a Heisman Trophy candidate, and um, – I think he's got a good chance to put up some more big numbers this week. All right. Who was the receiver they lost? I can't keep it straight, but he was really good, and they didn't miss a beat. Broke uh, his leg or something Jaylen, against Tennessee. Waddle? Jaylen no, Waddle. or was he already yeah. in the league? No. I can't keep Jaylen it straight. Waddle, They've on. only had uh, eight first-round receivers in the past like five or six years. All right, Tennessee, Jeremy Pruitt embattled uh, maybe on the hot seat. 13.5 points. The Vols are favored at Vanderbilt, which is – do we mention uh, they're awful? Yeah, um, they're playing this week uh, allegedly. Hmm. I'm taking Tennessee. Actually, who am I? Yeah, I guess I'm taking Tennessee. Given the fact that Vanderbilt's, you know, they're using guys from offense on defense and and uh, soccer players. Oh, no, I'm sorry, that's different. Yeah, different I don't. Stuff. I don't know. I haven't heard the update on the kicking situation yeah. this week. I don't know if that med school student that was uh, the kicker last year is still with mm-hmm. them or where that stands. Interesting. Hey, if if the Vols lose, yeah, he's fired. I think on the spot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a tarmac situation. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's Glenn Kiffin. <laughs> Although, do they fly from Knoxville to Nashville? They might just drive. <laughs> the, the, the team flies. He has to, he has to hitchhike back. Yeah, I don't know if the team flies. But, uh, I mean, Vandy is so bad that I think even Tennessee covers this one pretty easily. All right, you got LSU going to Florida. <laughs> the Tigers uh, ban themselves from the Bulls as a uh, – Bold move, Cotton. As a, as a way to uh, – as part of their sanctions for uh, – I, I don't remember exactly what it was. It was – one of it was this former player paying money to the players on the field after a – was it a championship yeah, game? Yeah, it was uh, – yeah. And then, and then another recruit's dad maybe got – I don't know the details exactly, but LSU, um, they're, they're bad this year. And I don't know if this is going to be a uh, – a, um, not Gus Malzahn, the previous coach at Auburn, uh, Gene Chizik situation where you win a national title and a couple of years later mm. you're out of a job or anything like that. But I'll take the Gators to uh, win by the spread is 23 and a half. Give me Florida. Yeah, yeah. I think Florida wins this one pretty easily. It seems like uh, at least Ed O had a couple of good seasons. I think it seemed like Chizik was bad, bad, incredibly awesome, bad, bad. So I think Chizik uh, – Ed O, uh, Coach O, 
has at least endeared himself, you know, with the uh, fans. He's one of them. I think he's got a few more years. I think, but. I think Brian Van Gorder and Willie Martinez were on that last Auburn staff under Chiswick. Um, and so, you know, yeah, it's a right. sad, sad ending for them too. Uh, anyway, Florida, big. All right, Auburn, speaking of, is going to Mississippi State. Seven and a half point favorite. Uh, the Tigers are favored by, and Auburn is, uh, this is another one of those years for Gus where he's uh, on the hot seat, I guess, now. Um, I'm not feeling it for Mike Leach. I'm going to take the Tigers uh, giving seven and a half. Well, it seems like every time he's on the hot seat, they have an incredible year, right? I mean, like, uh, they, they turn things around. Like so, in, you, you mean going into next year? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. So, uh, what was it? He took the national championship our team to the national championship that uh the prairie jordan here that was after a year where he seemed to be on the hot seat and then a few years later uh they beat the dog mess out of georgia you remember and uh you know that was kind of a turnaround year but i can't figure them out this year because it's like uh they look terrible and then they'll play texas a&m down to the wire in a good game so uh i think it's gonna be i think it's gonna be close i, I give me the points with mississippi state there all right, Georgia, uh, you might have heard of them. They are going to Mizzou, as we've talked about. 13-point favorite, the Bulldogs are. You know what? I, I was impressed with the way Georgia came out and, and kind of took care of business against South Carolina. Uh, this is not as an undermanned team. They are, uh, you know, on the back end. Uh, they've had a couple guys that have uh, either been injured or, or uh, just not available, I guess. Uh, you know, I like Georgia, um, you know, with the way they ran the last game, with the way JT Daniels can throw, I think they can take advantage of whatever's, uh, you know, seems to be working offensively. Uh, you know, Missouri's going to score some points. Um, you know, I think Georgia's defense still has stuff to prove about. Check out my story on Dan Lanning uh, going back home to Mizzou. He's from the, that state um, and uh, kind of cut his teeth as a high school coach, as he uh, assistant high school coach, as he started off his career there in the Kansas City area. Um, you know, Georgia hadn't done a great job against, uh, you know, running backs in the uh, passing game. And Tyler uh, Beatty can, uh, you know, definitely do that. Um, he's got some a wiggle and the ability to make plays on the outside of the Larry Roundtree can pound it. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think Georgia's going to cover, but, um, you know, Mizzou might get some points. Roundtree's a guy I feel like he's been there for like 10 years. You know, I don't know if that's one of those names that just uh, seems like they're forever. Something you didn't mention, uh, Jordan Davis, possibly he'll be back this week. Yeah, sounds like Jordan Davis will be back. And, uh, you know, certainly a good guy to have when you got Roundtree kind of pounding the ball up the middle, um, you know, and uh, it's good to see him back. Uh, will be good. And then Warren Erickson presumably will be starting at center for Georgia right. with uh, with Trey Hill out. Now, are Jalen Carter and uh, Jordan the same thing? What if those two guys were side by side? That would be some beef right there in the middle. I mean, I'm pretty sure they're two separate people. Uh, <laughs> Didn't say that. I said same for this. Jalen is. I mean, that dude's a stud, and yeah, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, certainly if you can have both those guys fresh mm-hmm. uh, coming in, I mean, that's a lot for uh, someone to handle. And I'm sure they got packages where they can stick both those guys in there. And uh, you know, I don't know if Davis is going to be limited to how many snaps he can get in his first game back, uh, but um, you know. I know he traveled to South Carolina, warmed up pregame, and and I guess they decided wasn't ready. Uh, also, might see uh, Kendall Milton back. Uh, Richard LeCount not quite ready yet. Uh, would be certainly nice and a great scene if he can kind of run out and then play against Vanderbilt uh, in the uh, home finale in his last home game. That would be good. A couple things we've already talked about. Obviously, the weather being an impact. You know, who knows? Uh, but I really think that Georgia coming off a week where they didn't play, I know they're. 
not everybody would say it. One person who is uh, maybe retiring soon seemed to be frustrated with how the whole kind of thing went down, and I'm sure that uh, was how the team felt as well, uh, kind of frustrated with not being able to play last week. So I think they bring that aggression out, uh, take it out on uh, Missouri, and uh, Georgia wins pretty easily and, um, you know, a little bit more than that 12 to 14 line that we've been talking about. All right, we uh, will be back with you next week to talk about uh, the uh, Mizzou game and then uh, a little bit about Vandy and uh, a lot probably on signing day as uh, the 2021 class starts to roll in on the early side. Um, And uh, everyone have a great weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. See you then.